Well, kids, it's that time again. It's XP Quest Episode 3. We're recording live on October 29th, 2015. And my name is DJ Pimp Daddy, and tonight I have a special guest from Raspberry Games. We got Dean Razavi, creator of Vidar. Say hi, Dean. How's it going? So, (laughs) man, you have, uh, you you got this game kickstarted this year by 467 backers for it was like $19,500 ish. Yes. And give or take. <laughs> you also got it through the green light process on the Steam community. So kudos yes. to you. Thank Go- you. Golf clap, golf clap. <laughs> so it was, uh, it was probably one of the more exhausting things I've ever done with my life. <laughs> that's got to be like that's like two separate huge campaigns that I see uh, indie developers just struggle through, you know, because one, you're just begging people for money, and then you're begging people, you know, for Steam to pay attention to you, basically. <laughs> uh. Yeah, it's, um, so so what I had kind of done, and I don't recommend that anybody do this, but um, it seemed to work. So I launched Vidar's Greenlight campaign back in, like, December, I want to say, mm-hmm. of last year, and I... Um, didn't do anything with it. I seriously just put it up as a green light page and was like, well, we'll see what happens with that. Um, <laughs> Here's a hundred dollars, you know, Valve. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and a lot of people, you know, like put in a lot of effort in their green light campaign and I didn't uh, at all. And instead, you know, cause I launched it maybe a month or so before the Kickstarter mm-hmm. um, was focused almost entirely on trying to get the Kickstarter ready and everything like that. Um, and I just wanted to have the green light page eh, just in case. Um, I went through, uh, I did the Kickstarter and the, and the green light was kind of languishing. Um, and on the last day of the Kickstarter, uh, posted like a link to the Greenlight page on the Kickstarter page saying like, hey, thanks so much. Now go vote for this thing. Um, <laughs> and and within a week uh, had had Greenlight. Um, so it was, you know, it had just been sitting dormant, really not getting any votes during for about three months. Uh, and then a week after it was Kickstarted, it was Greenlight, which was a uh, fantastic, uh, a double victory there. Wow. Uh, yeah. <laughs> What I, I kind of wish I would have done, and like when people are you know asking me about Kickstartery kinds of things, I say, uh, launch your green light in the middle of it because green light just by def like as soon as you launch it, and it doesn't matter if you have the worst game in the world, you will get so many people to look at your green light page. You just get a lot of audience by virtue of the fact that you are on green light. Steam just funnels them through. Wow. And. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, you know, you'll get thousands of people looking at this within, within 48 hours, and then suddenly nobody's there anymore. Yeah. And so if you can have a Kickstarter page for the people who are really excited about it, then that's great. But if you don't have somewhere to go for them besides just clicking a thumbs up and moving on, it's not, a, you can't really capture that audience. And so it's a, it's a little, it, it seems better to have to do a Steam Greenlight in the middle of the Kickstarter, but, you know, even though I messed that up, it worked for me. <laughs> Nice. Yeah, it's just like I, I, I could talk for hours about the whole green light process because just I, I, I used to run a Steam gaming podcast and we were like hot and heavy when the green light thing came out and that we had some deep conversations about that whole process. <laughs> <laughs> just just watching it, you know, with popcorn. You just, everything from I mean, the good stuff to the trolling to you know everything back and forth so you get a very wide range <laughs> yes <laughs> very, very wide range. <laughs> so 
Um, so, uh, one of the things that uh, sort of caught my attention about your game is you're also uh, an avid blogger and you frequently uh, attend conferences as speakers and you know attendees and you lead seminars about RPG Maker and yeah. topical. The new version of RPG Maker dropped last week, and it is fantastic. So we're going to talk about that tonight. So tonight's topic, of course, is the new copy of RPG Maker, and we're also going to be discussing Vidar, the RPG where everyone dies. Such a happy title. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, just an overview of Vidar. Copy pasted this from your page, so if this is wrong, it's your oh, fault. Oh, so probably <laughs> riddled with typos and talk to your webmaster. Started. When was the last time right. you talked to a webmaster? Right? <laughs> There's no webmasters. It's a lie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the game place take. Uh, the game takes place in a struggling yeah. town. I didn't do that one. All right. I yeah, that was my fault. <laughs> <laughs> Let's start over. <laughs> the game takes place in a struggling town beset by a beast, and every night a villager is killed. Some at the beginning of the game, too. <laughs> uh, explore Vidar's past in four unique settings, each filled with puzzles that blend nostalgic dungeon exploration mechanics, like frictionless ice, mirrors which reflect light, adjustable water levels, and more with new twists. With random puzzles and storytelling, Vidar begins a new challenge in every playthrough. The only certain certainty is that everyone will die. Wow. That's... So, when I read that, and then I read the Kickstarter, because that's where I, I saw it first, was on the Kickstarter. I'm just like, okay, sold. You know? <laughs> like, first <laughs> off, I love a good RPG Maker project. And this one seemed solid, right? And then I just... You you hit my like nostalgic RPG like right on the head because excellent. That's one of the things you you don't see too much in a lot of the RPG projects or RPG maker projects that I've seen is uh, people don't go way out of the way to sort of explore and script these bizarre mechanics like you used to see in the classics. <laughs> you know, like right. it's it's all right. just fetch quests and endless dialogue trees, which can right. be good and bad, but. Which, uh, you know, because and, and that's in part because the engine is it makes that easy um, to do. And it's definitely, you know, if you want to do something like a fetch quest, if you want to do something like, uh, you know, dialogue with an NPC and that kind of stuff, it's very straightforward. You don't need to know a lick of programming. Um, and so it's a good way, like kind of an entry point for what you're going to be working on. Um, but uh, I wanted to. It's funny, Vidar like took a lot of different forms when I was first starting with it, but I um, ultimately decided that I was. I think I am too old for random combat these days. I don't have the patience <laughs> for it. And going back and playing some of the like older RPGs, which I still love, um, I still get a little bit frustrated with like the amount of filler basically that <laughs> takes place in combat uh and i just kind of want to see the story i want to know what's going on so yeah uh, i decided instead that the filler would be puzzles um i really enjoy the puzzle combination the puzzles particularly in zelda um and i pull a, just a ton of influ- influence i, I played a, a bunch of the old zelda games recently to start pulling more puzzle design inspiration um and uh, I, I kind of like taking that approach. RPG Maker is not designed for 
more intense puzzles or dungeon exploring with tools that you would think of for Zelda. Um, but it can be done. There are some uh, mods out there. So if you don't know uh, programming, there's just a ton of scripts in the RPG Maker community for VXAs, which is the version that was the current version until last week. Um, and uh, some of them include things like a dungeon tools mod, which allows you to like place bombs and things that you would expect. Um, I haven't used those. I've been doing my own because nothing has really fit exactly what I wanted. But uh, certainly for somebody who's looking to do a Zelda-like or do something a little bit more hobbyist or something, it can be done. You just have to find the right scripts for it. So, hmm. so uh, how many projects were before Vidar? Like... How, how yeah. Because <laughs> I, I had heard there's like a, a some epic like wedding invitation RPG out there. If I was reading that the the wedding RPG, yeah, <laughs> uh, the wedding RPG was my first real like in depth exploration of RPG Maker, and it was my only other project in RPG Maker before Vidar. <laughs> um, and that was so my husband and I had a. Uh, video game themed wedding um, and we were trying to make sure that it was still classy and it was you know like no costumes <laughs> or anything like that but I wanted to do like have a game along with the wedding um, so I you know we talked a lot about it and we're like oh that would be really cute but uh, never actually like pulled the trigger and finally I, you know I don't have a programming background I'm self-taught on like coding and stuff so I saw RPG Maker and was like, you know, I've heard so much about this. Let me like give it a try. I downloaded the the trial <laughs> and made like five hours of a game like right away and was like, okay, I have to buy this and I have to do everything about this. Uh, <laughs> and and it was it was I mean the game was like pretty disastrous, but uh, and again had way too much random combat. Um, but it was a lot of fun to to figure out what exactly the engine could do. Um, and it was not a, a game where I started, like, you know, and uh, uh, like kind of already knew everything that was going on. So, like, the first map from that to, like, you know, the last boss, it's just you can see, like, me learning what's going on. So, uh, you know, at one point <laughs> I was like, oh, wait, you can do things like... I could figure use like the parallax layer to do like an elevator battle. Okay, let's oh, do that. <laughs> oh, I could do and actually I built kind of like a little mini um like action battle where all of a sudden your sprites like on the main screen rather than going into a battle were able mm -hmm. to like shoot and I had to like hit the enemy in order to you know almost like a Zelda style or something like that mm -hmm. uh for one of the bosses and I was like, you know, it, it was getting like more and more complex as I went on. Um <laughs> but uh yeah, you, and so then I you see one oh, of those functions. You see one of those like functions in there, and you're just like, "Oh, I gotta try that. Oh, I gotta try that." Yeah, Next, yeah. Exactly. Like I, I remember the first time I, I saw someone do like, um, like shadows and stuff with the parallaxing on top of you know, and I'm like, "Oh God, that blew my mind." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Just like, it's just like a whole different dimension. You're like, I have to go back and redesign everything. Exactly. <laughs> or like, oh my God, I just found this new script that does like this other thing. So now this whole section is gonna be focused on weather, and <laughs> you know, exactly. Um. And uh, and it was just a uh, you know uh, it, it was something fun um, and you know we threw up threw it up on the wedding website and stuff like that um, but then and that took me probably about a year um, before that I had experimented with other games but nothing finished uh, I had looked mostly at um, Love which is a Lua engine for two D games. Mm -hmm. 
Um, I was playing around with Pygame a little bit as well for, for various concepts, but had not really reached anything that I, like, wanted to show people. Um, and, uh, uh, the wedding RPG, I guess, was the first thing that, that anybody else got their hands on. Um, and then after that, it was like, you know, I now know RPG Maker. I know all the mistakes that I made, and uh, I have since also learned Ruby, so let's mm-hmm. actually do something real with it. Wow. Now, so yeah. you, okay, so you did take it a step further and you actually did go into the Ruby route. Yes, yes. Uh, I wasn't really familiar with Ruby, um, you know, when at first, but uh, taught myself, um, and and it's been pretty, you know, RPG Maker. I think the the level of Ruby that you really need to to know isn't extensive. <laughs> you don't need to be like an amazing programmer it's to like do it. Chapter five of a book, right? <laughs> yeah, I think that's right. I think that's right. Honestly, you could do all the free classes on Code Academy for Ruby, and then just be like an expert programmer at RPG Maker. <laughs> yeah, I see. I by day I'm an I'm an IT guy, and I, I work in infrastructure, so I don't program, but I pretty much taught myself uh, C sharp, right now C, or the original C programming, by screwing around with Neverwinter Nights scripts back in the day. Okay, okay. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's absolutely these stupid side hobbies just drive us to crazy stuff. Exactly. <laughs> and then it gets out of hand. And... <laughs> it gets really out of hand when you suddenly find yourself with a Kickstarter. And like... <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think, I think you. <laughs> so like, uh, oh, wait, on this, that subject this just like something i was working on <laughs> <laughs> yeah so yeah. uh just, just so we understand your foundation of gaming what were some of your past like rpg inspirations oh i mean final fantasy 6 through and through um i i you know i guess the last well i watched my husband replaying it recently um i guess the last time i played it was like 5 years ago but it's something that i play like you know every every few years <laughs> um and it's it just always stuck with me as like one of the the golden era pinnacles of storytelling and and uh and gaming um and and I pull a lot of inspiration from that, uh, especially like uh, when I was trying to figure out the art style, was reaching out to artists who I thought would kind of mimic that. Mm-hmm. Um, what's funny is that Vidar, like in terms of inspiration for Vidar, it started with really, if anything, Animal Crossing. Um, <laughs> I think that, that was... And <laughs> the, the, it went through so many evolutions. And the idea first was... <clears throat> I love this conceit in games where you have people coming to like a central town uh, and that as you get people to move in, they bring with them things that help you progress. Um, so even as something as minimal as like in Diablo 3 where you can get like different crafters to come to your outpost or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm just fat. I, I love it in all games, uh, this additive principle. And I wanted Vidar apps like started first in its concept of what happens when you take that away? Like what happens with a town that starts off fully populated and people are slowly leaving? Um, <laughs> and that's that was the inspiration. Like absolutely Animal Crossing. Um, a, depressing, and <laughs> a depressing Animal Crossing is what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, since then, uh, definitely less, you know, focused on, on those games for, for inspiration, um, <laughs> looking more towards puzzle games, looking more towards some of the more Western RPGs, um, 
like a lot of Bioware games or places where where it seems like there's just an infinite amount of choice. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been recently playing Witcher 3, which I think the Witcher series for me has always, even from one, done what I think is the best at this kind of branching narrative or choices have consequences. Hmm. Uh, and, and it's something that I definitely want to hit home on. So pulling apart what exactly these Western RPGs are doing um, rather than the old uh, original influence of the, the Chrono Triggers and the Final Fantasies that um, are very much on rails. Um, and you know, they, were, they were great places to start and they still, I have a lot of lessons to learn from them, but... Yeah, inspiration, I think, should shift depending on what part of the project you're working on, too. That is true. That is very true. I like I, 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 I speaking of your inspiration, like when I read that you were doing like a water dungeon with like levels, I'm just like, oh, uh-huh. God, that's where I got off the boat. <laughs> I'm, just, <laughs> I'm just like I'm thinking back to that Zelda Arcanar of time. And that's, just, that's the only yeah. time in my life where I had enough physical strength to break a Nintendo 64 controller. <laughs> <laughs> Those yeah, are, it's like a Nokia phone. Like you can't break those things. Keenly considered, like one of the most frustrating experiences in what is generally considered one of the best <laughs> games ever made, right? Um, and it's a really interesting dichotomy to see. I I really like the idea of it in Vidar, um, in uh, in part because I've gotten to do so many different things with it. Um, mm-hmm. So. I the uh, RPG Maker doesn't necessarily have a great concept of elevation. Um, it has a little bit, but you kind of have to fake a lot of it. And uh, to be able to do something where you know you can pull a switch and suddenly the water levels change in a two D environment, right? Because this is much this is top down. This is not an ocarina situation. Um, it- Stand by for technical difficulties. Thank you, Skype dimension to it there's different elevations and that is just very appealing to the eye so uh and and it's you know it's always fun to come up with new mechanics or how things are going to act with you know previous ideas um and uh it's you know i have um i I obviously have to have a hook shot because it's just required i think for a water cave and uh there's you know things that i can do with that i can have switches that can only be hit by that i can have posts that can go up and down i can you know do different uh fun things with that which when you're doing random you know or you're you're building all the puzzles that will one of which will be chosen for the player um it's helpful to have a lot of options, like a, a, a toolbox, basically, at your disposal to, to help design these puzzles. Gotcha. Yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, can't wait to play it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. You're killing me. <laughs> no. um, it's being uh, soon. Capital S soon. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. <laughs> soon. <laughs> so, uh, I... It's... Uh, this is one of the things I, I, I love recently is uh, a lot of the things are, are – a, a lot of the games seem to be almost intended for the like the whole new games – new game plus mentality. And like your game definitely has this replayability edge that is almost undescribable when you think about it because – the the character deaths are almost randomized so every time you play it you're going to be completely different story correct yeah um and there's no almost it really is just an rng to figure out who dies um (laughs) 
and and so it's kind of you know anticipating all those possible paths uh and and i it is something that was important to me i wanted to particularly coming off of something that was massive in scope um superficially mm-hmm. you know i had for for the that wedding game i had something you know like 600 different maps and you know all these different <sighs> enemies and all these different like <laughs> skills and abilities and all this kind of stuff and i wanted to instead uh and this you were talking about inspiration my inspiration uh, really for this was Papers, Please. I think that Papers, <laughs> Please has done so many amazing things, and I pull so much from it, including like this kind of uh, you know despairing uh, feel, like you know beating you over the head with with <laughs> um, with with sadness and uh, the washed out colors and everything. But the most important lesson from Papers, Please is that you can tell an incredibly detailed. Uh, and and wonderful story in the space of a passport booth. That is, you know, <laughs> what you should take away from that game. That it doesn't have to be massive to be uh, brilliant, and um, and even for the story to be big in scope. And so that was what I wanted to do with focusing on one town and twenty four NPCs, and that's it. And so how can we, you know, delve into that? and still make it something that people would want to come back to over and over again um, without it being something that's spread all across the world. So, so like when some of the, the past project, mind you, my past projects were always just goof around projects, nothing really professional. That's how they should be. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> well, this one I, got away from me. I don't know. <laughs> I, just, I, just, I, I, I would spend more time debugging weird bugs and triggers, you know, I, I can't even imagine when you have 24, you know, random plots basically rolling at the same time. Like, how do you possibly, like, QA that whole process? <laughs> like, yeah. um, do you just have an army of people just, like, constantly playing builds of it? <laughs> an army of people constantly playing builds of it. And so I have my... <laughs> Uh, no, I, <laughs> um, so the first is, and we're actually just coming off of this, uh, I have Kickstarters, um, who are invested in the game and are excited to see it. So we did an alpha month in October for one portion of the game, which I hadn't really gotten a lot of good feedback on. Um, so, so that's like a built-in community right there. And when I've talked about Kickstarter, I've always said that, sec- I mean, the first important thing about Kickstarter is the money. Don't, don't convince yourself otherwise, <laughs> but <laughs> Second most important thing is that you have started to build a community around your game and you found your evangelists, and that's great. Um, and they're there for you when you need them. So um, so having having a community for that helps. But second is, you know, a lot of these things are, are kind of individualized um, uh, instances. So I know that I'm going to have an event where when X, Y, and Z happens, you know, when so-and-so is dead, when this quest is finished, and if it's after day six in the game, then, uh, you know, so-and-so is going to give you a quest. Um, and so I will build up that quest and, you know, make sure that everything is there and then just set in the game, okay, set these variables to make sure that it happens. Uh, and then, you know, I can test that event individually um we will get to the point where i'm gonna need to just play it through a thousand times and and see how (laughs) things evolve but we're not there yet and uh when we are i'm hoping that it remains a fun experience for me although i seriously doubt it (laughs) (laughs) 
we're gonna unlock the run on that one, right? Right. <laughs> we can right, run exactly. or dash. <laughs> I'm like, where's exactly. the dash button? No. Yeah, it's, uh, it's funny. I'm, I've been playing recently with movement speed just because a lot of people have said like, oh, it feels a little sluggish, um, and it's it's a reward. Sprint shoes are a quest reward um, in the game, just like pretty much every other nicety that you would expect mm-hmm. to have. So quest journals, uh, is, it, the quest journals and uh, a reward, a um, mini map is a reward. And wow. in fact, in the demo, uh, there you get to see how much time you have left in the day. <laughs> you don't start with that clock. You are timed, but you don't know what time you have. Uh, or how much time you have left, unless you do a quest for the clockmaker or get the clock some other way. Um, <laughs> so all those typical things that you would kind of think of for um, you know these these player experiences that would help um, you know you advance through the dungeon will are actually quest rewards. And and the goal with that is your playthroughs are going to be different. I don't want it to be it's a random story, sure. But it feels the same, um, like it just, the, just the gameplay feels the same. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, the, the, some portion of that's unavoidable. But if, for example, the f- uh, one time you play, the clockmaker is dead, it's going to be a very different game for you because you'll have no idea how much time you have for the entire time that you're playing. <laughs> <laughs> you just have to look up at the sky and see the moon coming. No. Exactly. <laughs> Wrong game. Exactly. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> another way of telling time. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, who are some of the other talented people like invested in this game now? Yeah, so um, we have uh, a few. So the first that joined me was Becca Bear. Uh, she is the uh, pixel artist for the entire game. She's absolutely amazing. Um, she has worked on another project, and I, the name is escaping me, but it is an RP. It's similar to RPG Maker. Um, it's like a RPG builder, mm-hmm. and uh, she has done all like the default tiles for them. And uh, so I saw some of that work. I saw some of her other pixel work and realized that it would be perfect for it. Uh, she is based now in Texas. She's gone back and forth between Texas and Colorado since I've known her. And she's been on the project for a little over a year. Um, the other individuals, we have uh, Adrian Jakubiak. He is um, the composer and musician for the game. Um, he uh, has, you know, it's it's really funny. So he and um, Adam Sislenda, who is the sound effects designer who's just getting up and running, hmm. um, are both Poland. And Adam is Adrian's friend, and, and I was introduced to Adam that way. Um, and both of them are like, okay on English. Um, <laughs> and, and yet, somehow, and, you know, I say this particularly with, with Adrian, he managed to just understand the, the mood that I was trying to create for every single track. First off, the man is a machine. Like, he knocked out probably, I want to say it's like 15 tracks in like a month. Wow. Um, <laughs> he just like, banged the stuff out. And he's like, what else do you need? What else do you need? Do you have feedback on this? Do you have feedback on this? And I'm like, I, first off, I'm five tracks behind from what you've said. And I haven't, you know, like, <laughs> no um, and they're all great. They're all like, I mean, and, and, and I can offer more feedback on, you know, on the music than I can really on the art because I have a music background, but I can't draw a <laughs> figure to save my life. And, and they're all, they, they just got it. Like every, Adrian just got everything that I was trying to set up. So um, he has been absolutely invaluable. Uh, and Adam has just started to work on the sound effects. And man, does it change the feeling of the whole game. Just sets such a mood. <laughs> 
it such sets like the the tone of the game and i'm i'm particularly concerned now about my ability to live up to the like hype that adam has promised in his <laughs> oh wow <laughs> yeah well i mean i it, it, it's one of the things that really stands out between professional games and what i call you know homebrew you know little projects is typically the resources at least in the rpg maker community 100 percent, yes <laughs> so like i guess i i I know in some of the the weirder projects that I've worked on, we always like you would need like some obscure pixel battler or something, and right. <laughs> I would find I would go out to the RPG Maker forums, and then we would end up uh, we would end up uh, like giving someone a Fiverr. You know, it's like you would go to Fiverr.com, find a pixel right. artist, give them five bucks, give them an idea, and then like maybe a week later they'd send something <laughs> right exactly <laughs> like where yeah. like at what point like did you get yourself uh embedded into the rpg maker community to sort of seek out these people or did you like no, like elsewhere because you're really over in funny. new york city you could probably just open up your window and scream hey does, is there any artists out there <laughs> well i actually found every well uh becca and adrian on reddit Okay. Um, there's a subreddit that's uh, Game Dev Classifieds, and it's just people who you know are looking for work or looking to hire or needs a team to to do something, and uh, and I found both of them through Reddit. <laughs> um, I I started with Vidar, I will say, on with the RTP, uh, with the default RPG Maker assets, uh, and that I think I had worked on it for maybe six or seven months using the RTP. Mm -hmm. And uh, in fact, the first time I showed the game was using that. Uh, um, and, uh, you know, people were as as receptive as you would expect. You know, a lot of people were like, oh, the graphics are kind of like whatever. Um, but, <laughs> but I had, you know, I felt like, okay, maybe this can be something more. I'm certainly going to need more graphics than what uh, the default tiles are. Mm -hmm. I'm going to need more than this. So maybe I hire an artist, um, and and I started looking around. I, I I you know had had tried to work with a few other people before landing on Becca, um, and it just clicked right away. Uh, she had some familiarity with RPG Maker already, and uh, everything just really worked out. And uh, having somebody who I can turn to every week and say, "Hey, I'm gonna. I've decided this week I'm gonna put in a water wheel in the water cave. So get me a water wheel. <laughs> I need it's a water great. wheel." <laughs> <laughs> you know, a bizarre request, um, but okay. <laughs> yeah, and it's not something that, and I can specify everything that I'm going to need. You know, what size, all that kind of stuff. Which for these puzzle elements, because they get spawned uh, dynamically, is is important. I, mm. you know, I need them to be able to fit in a million different circumstances. So, uh, so did you do uh, like a hundred percent overhaul of all of the resources, like sound, audio, everything? Yeah, so uh, still in the demo, there's some of the default sound effects. Mm -hmm. um, that's just because um, Adam joined the team pretty recently, and I'm, you know, we're starting to figure out what those sounds are going to be like. Um, but in terms of art, what I did was uh, because you know art is it, Becca's art is fantastic, but it doesn't come cheap. Yeah. Uh, I have done some edits of the uh, default RPG Maker assets to supplement. Okay. So. Um, what goes a long way, for example, is a custom floor, a custom wall. Because if you think about how much of the, the map is going, the, the screen is going to be covered just with floor and wall, it's mm -hmm. a lot of 
and and it's only <laughs> a few tiles for the artist to make, right? Yeah. Uh, and it just it, it's a great bang for your buck. Um, but then you know if if I needed uh, a clock, for example, like you know a wall grandfather clock or something that. RPG Maker already has, and so um, it felt like you know some of the assets are a little too graphic, they're too bright, um, and I wanted to desaturate them and edit them a little bit. But that's something I can do in GIMP. Like even somebody who has no artistic ability can <laughs> play around with some sliders, right? Yeah. So uh, so it's a mixture, really. It's uh, you know I would say about at this point. 70 to 80 percent maybe a little bit more is of becca's stuff um but then where i can i can i supplement so that's not a bad idea actually just adjusting because yeah, I, I mean you, you're right you do have to sort of you can't just download resource packs willy-nilly and start mixing them up <laughs> right there needs to be a little bit of modification to make sure it's all the same style and color but honestly you know when it's when it's a single barrel that is on the screen that's from the RPG Maker default assets and the rest of it is custom <laughs> that you can see like you know in this in the screen view then you don't notice that it's a default RPG Maker asset anymore yeah. uh, it, it blends in pretty well it's only when you're using like everything that people are like I've seen this before <laughs> <laughs> yeah that is true <laughs> that, that that's my games I'll be honest <laughs> <laughs> which is totally fine and in fact I've seen some some great games even on Steam you know I Steam particularly green light seem green light like poo poo's anything that's made with uh the rtp which is a, a shame i mean sometimes it's it's used to stand in as a proxy for effort which is not correct um and and you can do some really awesome things with the default rpg maker uh, set it's just and especially if you're willing to just open them up with gimp and you know recolor something a little bit uh you can get just so much mileage out of that set so that's not a bad idea now it I, I guess for discussion's sake, with RPG Maker, like once you purchase it, you're legally entitled to use all of the assets in a commercial project, correct? Correct, but it needs to be in RPG Maker, made in RPG Maker. Yeah. So you cannot uh, buy RPG Maker and then use those assets. <laughs> Just scale out by the, the way, sound. Free for download. Um, but you can't use those uh, in a project that you made in Unity. Um, so, okay. yes, that is correct. So, um, I, I, but one of the things I noticed when I started doing my project was in the actual, the RPG Maker community itself, um, I, I've seen everything from just epic RPGs to just nuts projects, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like 10 yeah. second dim tech demos, so to speak. Um, with the... RPG Maker uh, MV, the new one that mm -hmm. just came out, mm -hmm. people can actually push finished games, I say with air quotes, <laughs> to the cloud. So you could push it out to iOS, Android, and HTML5. Yep. Do you see that now that it's now that they've sort of opened up another channel of floodgates, I guess we'll say, <laughs> do, do you see the tool going more towards an actual development tool or more of a, a side hobby of love sort of way? I think that we will see 
RPG Maker remain primarily a hobbyist tool. Um, now, that's not to say that you can't do something commercial with it. There are plenty of successes, um, and I certainly hope to be one of them. <laughs> but there's uh, plenty of you know instances where people have already made a great deal uh, of success with RPG Maker, and sometimes even with the kind of I don't want to say you know well with the default assets or with some of the download packs that you can get with RPG Maker, mm-hmm. um, and so. Uh, but with with the extension to Mac, because before you couldn't even export to Mac, uh, mm-hmm. so with the extension to Mac, web, uh, and mobile, it's clear that they're trying to push this as a more commercially viable project um, or developer's tool. Uh, I, I guess tire, you know, it, it, it remains to be seen whether that'll actually happen. Yeah. Uh, but I think that what was holding. Um, you know, RPG Maker, or what what will remain to hold RPG Maker back is the pervasive use of the default tiles as you know uh, somebody. Well, somebody saying like, I'm gonna, I can do this. I can use the default tiles. I can make a game in a weekend, and I can throw it up on Steam. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that that hurt the idea of this being uh, taken seriously more mm-hmm. than the fact that it wasn't available on Mac. You know? Yeah. 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 <laughs> That's so, very true. Um, I'm curious to see, though. I'm really anxious to see how how the mobile side of things work. Um, you know, there the Final Fantasy VI, my my favorite of all time, was uh, there has there's a release on mobile, um, and it plays a little weirdly uh, because you're not necessarily used to controlling it with a touch screen. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm curious to see how how these games are going to interface with touchscreen. And I'm ultimately hoping that what developers do is rather than just try to port their RPG uh, that they've made for clearly for a computer, just rather than trying to port that directly to mobile, they're considering mobile in their minds. They're considering yeah. what, what can I do that's interesting with RPG Maker and a touchscreen, you know, the, from a design perspective. Uh, I think that that will fare much better than just a simple port. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> Yeah, because I, God, I've been playing, um, and we'll talk about this a little later, maybe, <laughs> if we get down that far. Uh, I've been playing, I've been reliving the, the Dragon Quest series through iOS, and okay, it, like, it, it is definitely bizarre, but within, like, an hour of playing it, you just, it, the, the, the controls clicked, you know? And then after right. that, it was perfect. And, but okay. I, I, I do notice, though, when... When you switch over to like a, a, a the mobile game, they had to add features to these classic games like instant save because you know, of course, you yeah, know, <laughs> we you all know that we time. only play Dragon Quest on the toilet, right? So, right. <laughs> or the subway, you, you, you know, <laughs> that is true. <laughs> so, in the back of a cab, but yeah. <laughs> uh, so I, you're right. They, they they do have to consider those features in there, so. Um, one of the first greenlit RPG Maker games that I actually played was uh, Actual Sunlight, which was by Will O'Neill. Yes, he's a, a Canadian, good guy. Um, his Twitter feed is hilarious, by the way. He is all over the place. He does. <laughs> <It looks like. laughs> um, I still, I okay. I, when I tell people to buy the game, I always warn them like, it's only two and a half hours. But I still felt like I got my value out of that game. Like it was worth the money because of the the story was just fantastic. 
yet the way the game ends, there's no replayability, (laughs) but I still feel satisfied with purchases. Um, and that's sort of been my dipstick, I guess, as I, as I test other, you know, RPG maker projects that have been pushed to professional level. And when I, I started looking at, uh, when I started doing Steam searches for RPG Maker games, trying to figure out you know the order of some of these came out, I, I just I couldn't believe that we were already up to like, I think it was like 17 pages of games, like already. <laughs> I believe it. I absolutely believe <laughs> and, it. And just the floodgate has opened like in the past yeah. few months. But yeah, uh, just to name off a few here, uh, we had To the Moon, Avalon. Evion, Lord of Twilight, that was one that I did play. Uh, Skyborn, I played that one as well. Always, sometimes monster, and you had written in Lisa. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. Some of these have been, you know, particularly successful. Some of these were successful within the RPG Maker community, which is maybe a little bit different. Uh, and um, <laughs> some of them uh, are, you know. Uh, just total flops and <laughs> uh, not the ones that you mentioned the ones that you mentioned were generally pretty successful but there's been plenty and you can just search on steam for rpg maker and you'll see instantly which ones are <laughs> are are great and which ones are atrocious um and that's okay you know like <laughs> yeah and, that's, and that's i totally sort of look at like it's gonna be like the the ios app store you know it's it's complete anarchy and there's gonna be way too much to look at it all but after a month or so, you know, the, the, the victors will sort of fall. <laughs> so just, just, right. just through some sort of, uh, uh, the, the, the review system, you know, the, the good stuff will sort of float to the surface. I think that that's absolutely right. You know, there was a lot of concern about there being too much or, you know, uh, there being too much noise, I guess, to to really filter out the good stuff. And I I have not seen that in terms of um, RPG Maker games, at least. Yeah. Uh, It, you know, the, the... at least from the stats of on Steam Spy, which is you know as close as we can get to actual information, um, it looks like the right games have been doing well. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. Uh, you know, <laughs> um, and uh, you know, you had mentioned actual sunlight. I actually think that that that's a great example of how um, the story can really save the game. Um, actual sunlight u- does not use the default RPG Maker tile set, but it uses something called the modern tile set, which is downloadable for only a few bucks. Mm-hmm. Um, and then has it has gorgeous like uh, illustrations uh, throughout, you know, that that kind of are interjected, and it has custom sprites, um, but leans heavily on assets, you know, DLC assets that you can buy on on Steam, and that's it's still a fantastic game. It's a you know remarkably good game that. Um, you know, deals with a, an incredibly important issue. So, um, uh, ultimate the the idea that like oh, there's you know everybody hates these like stupid RPG maker graphics should not dissuade people from continuing to work on a game that's really good. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's it's also a fine example of you know uh, good narrative storytelling completely outweighs. You know, <laughs> the, 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 the people's conceptions were like, oh, it's an RPG maker project. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> when you get yeah. it, cause, uh, Will is his full-time real day job before he you know, became turned developer was of course, you know, uh, 
a writer, so right. <laughs> yeah. He's paid to write, so of course he's yeah. going to write a good story. <laughs> so, um, do you see? And and you, honestly, since you're just greenlit, you don't completely have to answer this completely. Do do you see Steam as being helpful or hurtful when you sort of factor in the frequent sales and? Gosh, you know, now you also have bundle sites popping up left and right, you know. Right. (laughs) Yeah, I I still think that it's, I mean, even if you exclude everything and just look at it for visibility, like for the number of eyes that will be on your game on launch day, it's worth it. It's worth it alone. Um, and it, you know, yeah, the green light process can, can kind of be a little bit tedious, but I'll (laughs) tell you having, you know, an interface where you can easily patch, you know, which isn't something that you can just do through a humble bundle, whatever, Mm -hmm. um, you know, just pushing updates unless you built your own patcher, right? Um, this, you know, you don't have to do that with steam, uh, the ability, and I'm not like here is like a shill for valve or anything like that. (laughs) But it's it's been really helpful. So I'm not launched, obviously, um, and in fact, don't even have a store page up. But I can already generate Steam keys uh, yeah. for my game, and I can upload builds for my game. And what that does is allow me to give out press copies. And I can, you know, I don't even have to manage really those press copies. I don't have to be worried that like this one has a bug and now the press is going to play it in two weeks <laughs> or something. Um, I, it allows me to give out codes for applications to festivals mm-hmm. um, or you know things like that. And so it's, it has really been quite valuable for me. That's good. Yeah. yeah and I, I at least see the just the fact that you have that store page sort of legitimizes everything yeah. you've been doing. <laughs> because like, yes. you could always... <laughs> If, if you're talking to somebody casually, you could say, oh, I'm on Steam, look me up, right? But if you say, right. <laughs> oh, I made a game, but you got to go out to this weird Japanese, you know, <laughs> RPG right. site and, you know, my Search handle is, my name. yeah, my handle and is then, this, it's yeah. like RPG fan 39487, yeah. Right. <laughs> uh, that, that's at least the thing that Steam always sort of lands back to is just yeah, its, it's permanence, you know. <laughs> so, yeah, because previously there was just nothing but like underground RPG stores, right? Like that's yeah. that's what I, I – it's like finding that, that second deep layer of the internet and you felt weird <laughs> for finding it and you're like, wow, there's just this whole gaming community that you never even knew existed, but – it's you know homebrew stuff, so <laughs> and yeah. they're really some, they're really into it. Right. But like, you find people like you know uh, they're they're like working on their seventh edition of the same game. You know, like right. <laughs> it's like six sequels. <laughs> You're like, wow, just make which, one long game, <laughs> right? Well, I'm, what I was gonna say is, which really you know you should then you really should be on Steam because you've got to built an audience from your first game for the mm-hmm. to buy the next six games for ninety nine cents each. Are you kidding? <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> oh, that's great. <sighs> um, so do you think we've reached a a saturation point in? in RPGs in general where you think all of the typical plot lines and dialogue have been done and it's focused a lot more on a twist of game mechanics or something to sort of get an impact or something to sort of catch attention within, you know, all the noise. Oh, so I have two answers to the question. No. (laughs) 
And yes, and we reached it 20 years ago. Um, <laughs> like, of course, of course, nobody's coming up with like a completely brand new story. But that that, you know, in narrative happened a thousand years ago. <laughs> um, nobody's going to really be coming up with that that new clever plot. Um, but it, you can still even, you know, with variations on general tropes in in the RPG world, crank out a really awesome story at the same time. Um, I think that that there's perpetually evolution in the mechanics, and uh, the uh, it's not fair. It's not fair to separate them. Is is the point that I want to make? Is that mechanics actually and ultimately inform the story that you're trying to tell? And as we evolve in the things that we're doing with our RPG mechanics, you're changing the story. Um, I'm trying to think of a really good example for this. I think, to a certain extent, you know, the I'm think Dragon Age Inquisition. You know, as which is a Western style RPG, and and I think does a lot of wonderful things. Um, but in particular, the the use of kind of, again, you know how I love my central place, as we talked about earlier, uh, <laughs> where people are constantly coming back to. But but the use of it, um, of, of the keep in that game, does a lot of important narrative things. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the first town that you get, uh, which, you know, uh, spoiler alert, is not permanent, um, <laughs> <laughs> is, uh, is attacked. And it it has a lot more of a narrative impact if you have come back to this place and built it as your home rather Mm -hmm. than it just being a town. So here we have mechanic uh, supplementing the emotional impact of a narrative where if if you were just, you know, if this was just a town or something like that, then like whatever. But this has been a hub that we're seeing develop as we progress through the game. And because we're seeing it evolve before our eyes, something which is a, a clever mechanic that Dragon Age introduces, we have more of an emotional attachment to it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, this is one example of probably billions that, you know, where where there should be an interplay between mechanics and story. And so... RPGs that may feel like they've exhausted the story will find better narrative Mm -hmm. uh, in their mechanics. I hope that's what Vidar is doing. I think that the core mechanic behind Vidar (laughs) is actually informing, you know, the entire story that's going through it, dealing with like loss and nostalgia and things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, And and, uh, hopefully that actually bears out. (laughs) (laughs) And a mysterious beast. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Oh, that's great. Well, uh, I did want to cover uh, RPG Maker Envy just uh, yeah. a little bit here. I feel obligated since <clears throat> somehow I got a press copy. Um, nice. <laughs> <laughs> Congratulations uh, on that one. <laughs> RPG Maker Envy, it's been four years since their last release, and uh, some of the big changes they have made uh, is they've switched to JavaScript versus Ruby. And do you, I mean, I guess you, you've taught yourself Ruby, but do you see JavaScript as a, as a better entry drug, so to speak, into programming? It definitely can be. I think it's more widely used is my understanding. Yeah. Um, but again, I'm not in like the, the programmer world, but <laughs> I, I understand that it is a much more widely used language than Ruby. Um, and uh, as a result, 
you know, people should be able to, to feel more comfortable with it. Absolutely. Every time I see anything that says Java, I just think back to all the people that are like, I'm going to make the next Minecraft. No, you're not. No. <laughs> it's like all these kids. Are you kidding? 30,000 people have done it on Steam. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> It's, it's, it's all about blocks. <laughs> okay, right. Okay. Right. Yeah. Got blocks in your game. You've made the next, next game. No. <laughs> <laughs> so um, they have no more hidden classes, is what they they had said. But how? I guess how do you think that would actually affect the 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 community code? Like tremendously. By, by not having hidden classes, you sort of see everything. But like at some point, you do want to obfuscate. Your, your code or whatever, correct? Okay, so so this what they're talking about is a little bit different. Um, I certainly, when I'm developing, and I, I believe this is the case for MV as well, um, and all of my code I'm able to, what you know they refer to as encryption. Uh, it's not really like that secure, but that's fine. Um, and you can, in fact, hide all of your code. It's the spirit uh, so, of it in the law. <laughs> <laughs> I tried somebody, to encrypt it. You just, you just shift all the letters over by like one, and then it's you know, suddenly understand. Um, <laughs> so, uh, and that is, you know, uh, something that I is still... I, I understand is still available in RPG Maker MP. Mm-hmm. When they say that there's no more hidden classes, what they mean is um, in VX Ace, there are a handful of things that you just can't touch in the okay. game <laughs> uh, in, in RPG Maker. Um, one of the big ones is the, and, and these things mostly like hide in the DLL, um, but one of the big ones is, uh, I'm trying to think of some, input is one, uh, and the biggest one for me was resolution. <laughs> resolution is set in a place that you just can't access. If you are trying to write code, you can't open up your game and like find the place where resolution equals and then just change the numbers in RPG VXAs. <laughs> My understanding is that because there's no more, that, that is hidden. There are no more hidden classes that, in theory, you can go in and change it to whatever you want. And so even though it supports, uh, they say like a higher screen resolution that's not, um, uh, it's not like 1920 by 1080 uh, that the new <laughs> maker supports. Still, 16 bit in 1080, ouch. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, My I, eyes! <laughs> But you can if you want. Like you can go in and change it. Um, and so uh, there's, you know, all of those things that are hidden. Right now, I'm like uh, dealing with, you know, trying to uh, to get. Um, like one of the things we had to do for the alpha month was allow people to type in their email addresses. There's a competition going on. I wanted to be able to track mm-hmm. your time to complete a puzzle with the email address you used for the Kickstarter. Um, and like input is not immediately available for you or for your access in RPG Maker. Um, you need to do a lot of digging. So there's a, there were no, a number of those things that are now, because you have to do this in HTML5, everything has to be exposed. It's not like a choice that MV made. Mm-hmm. When they decided that it was going to be for web, they said, all right, well, then everything is going to have to be uh, exposed to the developer. So Nice. So theoretically, if we update Vidar to... MV, then we could finally add in that Oculus support. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, it's sadly, you know, I've gone back and forth a lot on, uh, on this. It's not in the cards right now just because 
the conversion from oh, yeah. uh, from all the Ruby stuff to all the JavaScript stuff would be uh, kind of a nightmare. Um, <laughs> part because and and it's not even like there are there are converters out there, um, but if you think about how like RPG Maker VX Ace represents the player, yeah, um, as a character or something like that, it's not this like the same reference. So I'd have to go back and change pretty much all my code. Um, so it's like no how thank studios you. crumbles <laughs> when you're like, hey, we're gonna put it out on you know Xbox and PlayStation. You know, like that's the decision that crumbles the studio somewhere. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> uh, so um, the new RPG Maker MV is of course. Multi di, multi platform distribution for uh, Win Windows Mac OS Android iOS HTML5 web and of course they now have mouse and touch input yay yeah to some extent so you can play I on mean, your Surface I think maybe that that's <laughs> accurate yeah um so by default I think just clicking on the screen will move your character to that location on the map. Um, I'm really excited to see games that use the mouse for more, like use it for quick time events or use it, you know, mm-hmm. like all, all different kinds of stuff rather than just as a uh, substitute for moving. Yeah, I, I, I could see like a whole new boom of like there was so much stuff that came out when the Wii launched where it was just tech demo games, but they were so fun, like. I, I, I mean, imagine a game where, like, you're drawing runes on the screen to cast a spell, you know? It's like, that's the stuff I want to see. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know, where, the, where the use of the mouse does something different. Um, yeah. I think, I think we'll we'll see that, absolutely. So, And it's exciting. Um, the database support went from 999 to 2,000, which pretty much doubled the amount of objects you could have in a category. Yeah. Or how how limited are you now? Like, <laughs> not not that. Um, in part because uh, so the database refers to different things like um, skills that a player can use, or states like sleep or poison or you know uh, cold or immunity, or whatever. A list of monsters. Or a list of monsters, or a list of items, or a list of weapons, a list of armor. With the exception of items, I don't have any of that in Vidar. Um, <laughs> I don't have monsters. Wow. I don't have abilities or combat or things that happen. Um, and I just have items. And uh, fortunately, I'm nowhere near 900 items in the game. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, uh, you haven't hit that so, wall, have you? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm nowhere close. I think I'm probably around 120. So oh, I wow. think I am. I really have uh, <laughs> a, a, some wiggle room there. But I know that some people definitely will hit that wall, um, particularly when it comes to enemies or um, skills, I think, are probably the two biggest places that you would see it. Um, I can imagine it being used, you know, uh, you can have uh, the database also uses this limit for how many people could put how many what they call actors which are mm-hmm. potential party members um and so you could in theory in the old version have close to a thousand potential party members now you get two thousand uh, <laughs> and and why that matters is potentially for somebody who was doing a randomly generated character uh if you wanted to have like a situation where you could go to a mercenary camp and hire a random character or uh something like that um and and those characters for whatever reason you had to store in the database uh, as they were generated <laughs> uh, okay, of yeah. so uh yes so that is um 
the uh, that that expansion of of database support. <laughs> <laughs> Um, it is listing on the new version three layered maps, which I thought was f- interesting because I can't wait to see how that plays out. Because it is hard enough to draw one layer of map and make all of the 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 tiles sort of match up. And I had a huge lesson once from um, uh, Bill Steinberg or Sternberg over at um, he did the uh, the Penny Arcade on Rain Slick. Precipice oh yes, 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 yes. Um, he was the art director over on that one. I I spoke with him at length on a different show, and he he gave me like a ten minute lesson in in shadows, like when you're drawing the you know pixel art sort of you know the 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 map backgrounds and like it was such a fascinating time, <laughs> but I can't imagine adding more layers to it. You know, and uh, do you think they're meaning like? Like background layer, item layers. Like I haven't delved into that too deep, but sure. So, um, generally speaking, uh, RPG Maker has uh, VX Ace had two layers, uh, and those two layers would be ground and then the detail on top of the ground. Um, and so, and what they're doing now is essentially saying you can do one more thing. Um, although it's not even fair to say that about VX Ace because technically VX Ace was three layered. You could do ground, a table on top of the ground, and then some like a flower pot on top of the table. So uh, this is a little bit misleading. But whether but MV is now technically four layers, so you can do uh, you know ground, a table on top of that, a flower on top of that, and then a cloud on top of the flower pot, and you would be able to see all of them. Wow. Um, so so it allows a little bit more flexibility, which is good for several things occupying the same space. Um, in the same tile because otherwise and what I run into a lot in Vidar is if something if two things are going to occupy the same tile I uh, go into GIMP (laughs) and I make a new tile that combines how both of them should look and then I (laughs) put that back in RPG Maker and I just use that one tile um, and that'll this the, the idea is that this will save you that step in a lot of situations you're saying like an instance where there's like a switch on top of like a table yeah, or something or like that. Something, or, yeah, you know, okay. Yeah, um, two, two where objects sort of combined within within one thirty-two by thirty-two square, right? Okay. Um, that so so if if you're familiar with RPG Maker uh, or any of the listeners are, you know that you can have basically one thing from the A tab and then one thing from tabs B through E, but you can't have you know a B and a C and a D or whatever. <laughs> um, you can only have on on one particular tile one thing from tab A and one thing from elsewhere. And what this allows you to do is uh, do one more. So, I found I was God. Speaking of that, I was I was playing someone's demo that was out, and they had screwed up the collision on one of the tab A stuff, and I was uh-huh. just walking all over the map. It was fantastic. Yeah. I'm like walking through houses and. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like, it's a very oh, uh, you gotta be careful when you start default. screwing with those default settings. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so Absolutely. the uh, new version is going to offer higher screen resolution and now the option to do front or side battles, which I think is fantastic. In the past, to do like the Final Fantasy esque side battling, uh, at least in VX Ace, it was you had to use like custom scripts is that correct 
Yeah. Um, so the most widely used was, I believe, Yan Flies. Uh, he is somebody who's really big in the RPG Maker community. He does a ton of scripts. He has a side battle script system. Um, but what's really exciting is the built-in one for MV uh, works well with something that they haven't been advertising as much, but I think is incredibly important, their new character generator. Um, so RPG Maker VXA came with a character generator, which is it allows you to like quickly combine assets to make a custom sprite. Mm -hmm. You could make side battle custom sprites now too uh, in MV, and it will automatically generate all the animations for a side battler who's like attacking and doing oh, all the wow. fun, 60 kind of stuff that you want. Um, and so the combination, like the side battle, view battle system is cool but it requires the art to really do it and mv is also giving you the art to really do it which is nice that's so. fantastic <laughs> I, I never even thought about the side battle you know character generation because i do remember how easy it was in vx oh. yeah <laughs> my yeah. blown again um, <laughs> i think it's gonna be i think it's it's the, basically the same thing it's just they it generates more sprites now for you, so like before, you would choose, you know, the the torso and the eyes and the hair and that kind of stuff, and then it would put out the the sprite walking in all four directions and all the stepping animations. Yeah. Um, and now, not only does it do that, it does side battle, it does casting animations, it does attacking and things like that. Yeah, sweet. Um, and then lastly, the highlight was that they have a plugin manager. Now, is that supposed to, I guess, take the place of the past sort of finding scripts that you have out there and having a copy and paste script into the database? Like that's more of a you download someone's script plugin, I guess. Yeah, kind of. So there's a few things. One, there's no longer a built-in script editor for, um, for RPG Maker MV. So uh, you need to edit your scripts in a external file, like using you know any kind of um, IDE or something like that. Mm. But um, the uh, the plugin manager, what it does is it reads all these scripts, and almost like if anybody has familiarity with Unity, it's basically a spinoff of Unity, where anything that's made public there is um, actually just available to you in a convenient UI in RPG. Uh, maker. Um, and so what happens is you just go in. So before, if you had, let me think of somebody's good example. Let me, let me dig through some, some scripts real quick. But uh, sometimes, oh, so like, let's say you have a, um, uh, a, a message manager or something um, that deals with whether or not a text box should by default appear uh, the full text box or it should be cropped to only fit the dialogue that you have. Mm -hmm. um, and the person who has scripted that has created a very, typically the, the practice in RPG Maker is to put a variable at the top that says auto cropping equal to false. And then they'll put a comment that says if you want auto cropping, you know, uh, then set that line to true. Yeah. Instead, just those elements and not the rest of the script will show up in the plugin manager so that you can just see all of the things that are actually customizable in the script that you downloaded and quickly set them. <laughs> sort of the um, API of it. Yeah, a little bit. It's 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 kind of like the the things that you can interface against. Um, and this is you know this has been around for, in a, for a while in Unity, um, where like the public classes were available to you to edit in the actual editor, and it's basically mimicking the same thing. Nice. Oh, it grew up a little. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, 
I've heard some people experiencing a little bit of problems with lag, but uh, you know, other than that, it seems like people's reactions are generally very positive to MV. Um, I, in terms of interface, in terms of like learning curve, besides the JavaScript, you know, the Ruby to JavaScript change, there's none. Uh, the the interface looks identical. Uh, so anybody who's used RPG Maker before will be very much at home. So. Do you? Uh... Is this still open to the point where you could teach yourself the code by sort of dissecting other projects, or do they do they do they hide some of that stuff more? Well, uh, the the issue in terms of dissecting other projects is now again scripts are stored outside of actual RPG Maker, so you'll need to open them. Listen, okay. you can open them in like Notepad plus plus or something like that. It's very uh, you know you don't need some kind of special software. But they're not all within one space like they used to be in RPG Maker. They're all within the folder, gotcha. um, and and that's the only real change there. <laughs> Just but a otherwise, bit more digging. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because I, I I know so many people that you know they're like me where you know getting a book's one thing, but just sort of tinkering and t taking something apart is <laughs> like I learned so much more that way. Like I taught myself HTML just by learning that you could just look at source, you know? <laughs> yeah, I, I think that, you know, first just like digging into some of the, the auto classes that, that are there, um, you know, looking at, okay, I see this reference to in VXACE, uh, dollar sign game underscore player a whole lot. Let's go just look at that, like where that's defined and see all the things that it does um, is, is the best way certainly to learn how RPG Maker works. Um, yeah. Interesting. Ah, well, that was a fascinating discussion. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's been great. <laughs> we're going to quickly go through. We don't really have any XP Quest news this week. Uh, we have had a few blog posts out there about the Star Wars game. Uh, get out there and give us some feedback on that. Uh, we do have a live listener prize section for everyone who stuck around. Um, and instead of doing a live uh, drawing, I'm just going to do this. I'm going to paste a Steam code into the chat, and we're just going to let you guys fight over it. Oh. First come, first serve. Oh my God. And <laughs> <laughs> create a, a stampede. <laughs> it's a, it is a copy, I believe, of uh, RPG Maker VX Ace. So on Steam. Good game. Uh, my God. Last week, Bundle Stars did another RPG Maker resource pack did you did you happen to catch that i saw it um i did not download it but i saw it uh, i it's funny i teach a class I, I'm, I'm actually teaching another one next week on rpg maker and when people are like but it's so expensive i'm like you should never buy rpg maker VX <laughs> exactly because it's on sale every other week <laughs> <laughs> exactly yeah because it's the new yeah. one's like 70 79 dollars or something i was like wow yeah, no it's outrageous and it'll be on sale <laughs> Um, and they have like a ton of, and also people are like, do I need all the DLC? I'm like, God, no, it's thousands of dollars. And all the <laughs> DLC is, is assets and 80% of it's music. Yeah. Like it's not even art. So no, like pick and choose what you actually need to make your game. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and, and, you and, certainly don't need both the samurai set and the sci-fi set. Maybe you do. Maybe something is set in Japan and that's just going to cover <laughs> both of them. But by and large. <laughs> and, and you know what? Explore those bizarre, odd, mostly Japanese uh, forums out there because you find some fantastic stuff that people will Absolutely. do 
amazing art and resources for just credit, <laughs> you know. But make sure you always read the fine line. Everybody has their their own terms, which is yeah, yeah. Everyone, you know, don't, some don't some steal. <laughs> are of course, and even if some scripts are like, I don't care what you do with this, it's always just you know nice to give somebody attribution for the work that they've done. So definitely, yeah. Um, so, uh, in our finding time to grind section, what, like real quickly, what are you, what are you playing this week? This week I am playing, uh, almost exclusively the Guild Wars 2 expansion. Um, <laughs> uh, I, the, I have been a diehard Guild Wars fan for quite a while. And, uh, so this has been really exciting, oh, really exciting <laughs> for me. <laughs> it's frustrating cause I'm also like slammed with other work. Um, uh, so I haven't played as much as I want to, but uh, every chance that I get, I've been playing. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, you'll be happy to know we we made this uh, this this podcast on the ashes of a, a failed Guild Wars two podcast. So <laughs> <Got> <laughs> we smote them down. No, yeah, <laughs> they 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 moved on. It just didn't work out. But um, uh, they're good. It, they're know, good I people. I understand though. why it's not for everyone, but it is totally for me. So <laughs> <laughs> they actually moved over. They're doing a. a they, they sort of moved off the network and made a, a different type of show, but uh, it's fascinating to listen to. So, I've been, um, I I have got the Heart of Thorns expansion, mm-hmm. but I am still like level forty, so I'm like somewhere out in the middle of nowhere. I'm like I'm nowhere near any of the new stuff, uh, <laughs> but it's weird because so, I got the expansion. So right, right. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's a a. Uh... Uh, streamer on Twitch that I uh, follow pretty religiously. Her name is Anna Kale, and she uh, and her community. Uh, she recently became partnered with Guild Wars, and so her entire community, who I you know talk to pretty frequently, uh, suddenly started playing Guild Wars too. And I like so for the also for the first time in three years, I have friends playing this game, um, and it's just like really exciting. And I'm like, yes, everyone, like. <laughs> You know, <laughs> I have to admit, Guild Wars is a fantastic value for your money. You get a ridiculous yeah. amount of play out of just a pay-to-play. Yeah, and I've just been handed a note saying that the Guild Wars players is coming back. So coming back, okay. It's not dead. We're coming back. <laughs> <laughs> um, this week, I've of course been still grinding through Drag Drag Dragon Quest Two on iOS. I'm still loving it. I gotta admit. Um, not, I think out of the four original Dragon Quest games, I think two is probably on my lower. Like I'd probably put that as like a two or a three as my favorites, you know, because it's. <laughs> I think th- it. three and four were definitely my tops. Okay. And okay. it's it's like a draw because see one that was like that was my gateway drug to everything, you know. <laughs> like it's so nostalgic, and when I replay it, I'm like, oh, it's still good, but. Dragon Quest 2, it just sort of gets a little grindy at points, so. Yeah, well, I mean, that was the style, right? It was. It, was. it definitely was. Very much <laughs> the style. But I, I will admit, they they sort of slightly escalated the game to where it, it, it plays a lot faster. So it's not so nearly the hours of grind. So pretty significant modifications for the iOS version? Or? It is. The, the iOS versions are all based purely off the GBA ports. Oh, okay. But they they've tweaked the XP to where you gain levels faster, and it's a lot easier just to save your game or leave the game running in the background. Um, and I I mean I have a brand new iOS or a brand new iPhone six plus, 
So oh, the six S plus. <laughs> so performance wise, it is it's spot on. So I don't know how it plays on the older machines, but I don't know. I love huh. it to death. It's fantastic, and and everything that I thought would be a problem playing it on a cell phone is completely disappeared. So okay, worth worth the you know it's like four or five bucks. <laughs> so I'll let you know <laughs> when we get to like Dragon Quest like four or five, five. Right. Honestly, is in my top three like games ever because that game that game made me cry. <laughs> That's a fantastic. Well, then game. definitely not to be playing, you know, on the subway or on the toilet. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah, don't play. Yeah, don't play that one on the subway or the toilet. <laughs> you will get looks. <laughs> um, of course, I've been still grinding out through a Feed the Beast quest on because you just can't not play Minecraft once a week. And I've been playing RPG Maker MV, just tooling around. And uh, sort of on that, I just I had an itch. I had to dig out my old Neverwinter Nights off GOG and play that a little bit. Okay, I okay. That. That's, I just want to hug that game so much. But they came yeah. out with uh, a new D&D. It's like, uh, I can't even remember the name of it now. Uh, some of the people in chat will probably scream at me for saying it. There, there was a, uh, it's, it's like a new D and D thing, and everybody said it was going to be the next Neverwinter Nights, you know, where it had more like developer tools uh, and stuff. Pillars of Eternity. Yeah, I think, I think yeah, that was it. Obsidian, because it's the same um, uh, group as, uh, like, the same company that did uh, Neverwinter Nights. Yeah. And so they. Um, uh, oh no no, Sword Coast Legends. Uh, Sword Coast Legends. That's oh okay, it. that's it. <laughs> yeah, somebody said Sword Coast Legends. <laughs> 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 yeah <laughs> yeah i just like i was like i was like yes because i you know i desperately want a new neverwinter nights you know where i could just make you know campaigns and stuff and then i read oh my god it is getting torn apart on the steam really reviews. oh it's just vicious steam reviews where people are like i played this for 30 hours and i regret it you know <laughs> <laughs> You know, and it's Listen, all like you lasted putting, thirty hours. It can't be that bad, right? <laughs> people are putting like ridiculously detailed, like this is why I hate it. You know, it's not just like this game sucks. No, it's like people are writing okay. essays on how bad this game is. I'm like, wow. So okay. I took I took that off the wish list. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a shame. Uh, oh, okay. So yeah, they're saying there's know, gonna be a full since... review of it on our sister show, DDO Player, soon. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's not so... going to be pretty. Spoilers. Be pretty, yeah. <laughs> last one like the last what i'll call baldur's gate like that i played that i really enjoyed was divinity um to me that hit all the right notes while still realizing that hey game development has come a long way in all those years um but pillars of eternity kind of missed the mark for me and and it sounds like i don't even need to try sword coast legends (laughs) (laughs) yeah uh, and then, of course, uh, since we were sort of joking about it, it's topical. Uh, in real life, uh, we're still playing our <laughs> D&D on Fridays at work. Man, that is the best use of work time ever. We, we lock ourselves into a conference room, and now uh, and, and, and Drac is in chat, so he'll probably, you know, he'll probably get, like, he'll, he won't probably, he'll probably hate this, but, like, somehow we now have seven characters in the party. So... <laughs> I haven't DM'd in like 20 years. I'm still trying to learn the new rule set. And somehow I'm supposed to keep track of seven of these guys. And like four of them are new, like brand new. So they don't know the rules. One of them's like an expert. <laughs> I'm like, I just, oh, it's, it has bad written all over it. But last week, one of the characters fell into a pit of goats and like 
Friday, we get to start doing the rolling on the initiatives on those goats. So it's going to be a great <laughs> day. It's going to be a great day tomorrow. <laughs> nice, nice. So uh, currently uh, for donations, we have 18 supporters on Patreon. If you would like to support the show on the Players Alliance, like XP Quest, simply go to our donations page where you could support the Players Alliance on Patreon. Uh, you will find rewards including mentions on the podcast of your choice or even a guest episode on XP Quest. And you don't even have to make anything. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> uh, if you would like to contact us, you could always email us at podcast at xpquest.com. You can follow us on Twitter at Players Ally for the Players Alliance, at XP Quest for XP Quest. I am DJ Pimp Daddy at, at DJ Pimp Daddy. Pretty easy to remember. And of course, you could find our guest over at vidarthegame.com or at Raspberry Games. So, tentatively, what, when are we aiming for the oh, release? God, don't ask me that question. <laughs> I'm not allowed to ask that question. That's the question you could ever ask a developer. <laughs> So here's my um, here's my ten second rant about uh, uh, about Kickstarter. Right, I have backed four things on Kickstarter, and over two years, only one of them has actually like shipped. <laughs> <laughs> so um, be number I, two. I want you to be number two so bad. <laughs> okay, twenty sixteen. <laughs> I will accept And don't that. hold me to that. That's not a promise. <laughs> I'll accept that. The holidays are coming up. It's hard to concentrate on code. <laughs> sometime, sometime, I'll, here, I'll even, I'll make you a firm promise that it will be within the next 10 years. Let's, okay. Let's do <laughs> I will accept that. That's legally binding. <laughs> Hopefully sooner, uh, but, you know. <laughs> I, you know what? I, I hate when you see... Uh, like I backed that new torment project, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And you're like, okay, this is great. They're going to have some, some great stuff. And then it hit all of its, you know, stretch goals. And they're like, okay, we're hiring this guy. And this guy used to work on this project. And we're like, yes. And they bring him on board. And then you follow their Twitter feed. And it always shows them like out drinking places and like, Hey, we're, you know, <laughs> on the set of the new star Wars. You're like, what? Get back to this. <laughs> like, <laughs> Get back and get mix up an office. <laughs> yeah, and then it's like, hey, we're launching an office in you know Germany now, and I'm like, oh, I'm like I see where my money went. <laughs> uh, that's gonna be a great game when it comes out too, but someday. So these things take time. I know. <laughs> I'd, I'd rather them not rush it and get it right than you know release <laughs> buggy code. Exactly. <laughs> so. Exactly. Uh, don't forget follow all the player alliance. Uh, play, uh, bleh, I can't speak. Follow all the players alliance live shows. Uh, Monday at eight thirty Eastern, we do DDO players news. That is a popular show. If you guys want to listen in, tons of people in chat. Uh, every other Thursday at nine p.m. Eastern, we're doing XP Quest, and on Saturdays at eight thirty p.m. Eastern, the Lotro players news, the flagship. So uh, join us at any of our live shows here at xbquest.com slash live, or you can just go over to Mixler. And tentatively, the next episode we're doing is going to be about the secret world. I got some secret guests coming on to talk about the secret world. 
Did you ever I'm play serious. that one? <laughs> I haven't. Um, I read a lot about it, and it seemed like <laughs> it would be right up my alley. And I, is it, does it still have a subscription fee? I feel like it no, did at some point. No. No, it, no? It's, it's, it's pay to play. I mean, they, they have optional you know, subscription fees where you get bonuses and XP stuff, and like resting XP. But it is pay to play, and it's, epi- and, it's, <laughs> and it's episodic. And also, the base game is always on sale somewhere. So <laughs> don't, you know, Excellent. Steam winter sales coming up. Put it on your wish list, kids. Yeah, so. I think that that'll happen. <laughs> next for some reason i had in my mind that it was subscription so no all right excellent this is uh, one of those games i'll warn everybody to if you had the option of getting the game of the year or just the base game for much cheaper i would actually probably go with the base game because it is a steep curve between episodes so you either mm-hmm. like it off the bat or you just like okay it's an okay game and like if it's just an okay game and you get to that episode 2 and it just crushes your soul then right. <laughs> you know it's it's not worth it at that point so <laughs> that's my two cents on the game so <laughs> uh Dean I want to thank you for coming on thank you so much for having me oh no problem uh good luck in your uh future endeavors and of course we're definitely looking forward to Vidar and we will Definitely be doing a write up once it comes out. (laughs) (laughs) So everyone go out. Vidar the game. I think it's still you're still selling like pre Yeah, we're doing something post Kickstarter. Slacker. Slacker backer, which is if like two of the two of the popular tiers, you can still basically it's like a at this point a pre order, I guess, but you can get all the rewards from those two tiers of Kickstarter. Um, and it still goes to our what our last stretch goal was, which was voice acting. So okay, yep, yep, okay. Slacker backer, be a slacker. Slacker backer. backer. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for all listening, and uh, find time for your grind. Bye bye.
we try to be professional, but not really. Out of all the shows, this is the most unprofessional one. I just got to warn you. But uh, <laughs> <It's totally. laughs> we, we, we try to keep it PG-esque. Okay. PG-13, oh. I think, is what we aim for. Oh, shoot. <laughs> um, I, Darn. <laughs> I kind of have a potty mouth, but I'll try to rein it in a little bit. I, uh, I, <laughs> I can edit anything, so... <laughs> It just means just, more just time. Need, like, that, a that's all. Re- button here or something. Like, <laughs> it the really buzzer comes down from, to like uh, what was that game? Taboo. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 